0: Welcome back to Winning the Battle for Talent, the podcast where our customer service experts discuss people management, reducing attrition, and helping employees thrive. Let's join the conversation.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to J.D. Power's Winning the Battle for Talent podcast. I'm Michael Vermillion with J.D. Power, and with me today are Mark Miller and Scott Kellingsworth, also from J.D. Power, and Brian Kearney and Ted Narden from Fifth Talent. Uh, so, topic for today is the role of the, the supervisor in winning the battle for talent, and probably a good starting point here is talking about uh, the uh, interaction or the uh, the fit between the supervisor and what has become the the at home model, and and so for perspective, why don't we start with. You know, what was the role of the supervisor uh, before COVID and before everybody went to at home? Uh, and then kind of where are we today? And then sure, sure. where where should we be? So, so I, I know that's, that's a pretty broad ranging uh, <laughs> uh, set of questions, uh, Brian and Ted, but uh, I, I think it should set the table for us pretty nicely.
0: Sure, and I'll start off, if you think about, you know, a contact center environment and the supervisor, what was, you know, their job experience like and, and the work experience also of the agent. So if you take a look at what was their role, well, they're face to face. They can get a lot of um, additional communication. They can do a lot more sense and respond. Also, they had a lot of support. Um you know, not only for themselves, but for the agents. So, you know, there were other leaders around, other um, supervisors who could help out if need be. There was IT that was immediate nearby that could just be flagged down. And um, if they need, if the employee needed to go talk to other departments like HR, finance, no problem doing that. So, you know, and the, probably one of the biggest things that is often underlooked is the support that the agent had from coworkers, not only socially and all of those things, but on how to actually do their job and how they learned from each other and supported each other. So when you take a look at that, now that you shift to a remote you know, working at home model, well, what's happened? A lot of that support, number one, for the employee has, has gone away. And um, including, yes, there's some chat things um, that they can do with, with other people, including coworkers, But it's just not the same and when everybody sees it, they're really not themselves and they're not going to, you know, do a lot of collaboration. They're afraid of what, you know, they might look like if they ask a dumb question. But there was also a lot more, um, you know, support lost for the supervisor. And now that supervisor is what we call, you know, there's this physical gap now between the agent and the supervisor. And um, there was a physical gap already between the agent and the customer, and they already knew how to deal with that. So the agent was doing, you know, in their actual job, their job didn't change dramatically, but the supervisor's job did. That, that physical gap between them and their agent really um, has caused some problems. Also, with everything's going through the supervisor now, the supervisor is that face of the company. So, with all of that, um, even if they need support, you know, from other departments, they're typically going to their supervisor. Um, so, not only is there more work and effort now for the supervisor, they have this challenge of now I don't have sense and respond, and all of these other things that I could, you know, do to connect with my employee, now I have to be much more intentional and figure out how not only do I engage them and keep them engaged, but also engaged with other parts of the company, including coworkers. So what we did is we, um, in one of our studies, we did ask um, the importance of training. So the question was uh, for a supervisor uh, you know, to be prepared to lead remote teams, did you receive any training from your company to do that? And if you did receive it, um, how good was it? Was it not helpful, uh, somewhat helpful, or very helpful? So if you take the two dynamics of people who didn't receive any training, um, the supervisors, and those who uh, maybe received some training but it was not helpful, their teams were not doing nearly as well as those who received training, that was very helpful. As you saw, the upward trend of, of all these different metrics um, for their teams, they were not having problems with adherence and absenteeism. And they were far superior on things like uh, first contact resolution and customer satisfaction. So that's that just shows you that, you know, the supervisor really has to think differently and, you know, have some additional leadership leadership skills to overcome that physical gap. And once they do, you can see it definitely has an impact on the employee and performance.
1: Mark and Scott kind of based on what, what Ted and, and Brian covered here in terms of the supervisor and the role of the supervisor in the new at home model, um, is everything there, is there that we've heard so far kind of lined up with what we see practically in our in our kind of day to day interactions with the um, some of the top uh, contact center operations in, in the world?
2: Yeah, this is Mark. Um, absolutely. So, um, as many of you know, who's listening to this uh, podcast, you know, Jay Power has um, a long history of working with uh, contact centers. And we've been in hundreds upon hundreds of top performers. And through our years, we've seen, um, and when we actually did a study on performance, we found that the top performers uh, over-index on supervisors. So heavy investment in training, not only quality of training, but proximity to when the uh, job Uh, comes under somebody's uh, auspices. You know, today um, you have people leaving and uh, it's next person up, right? So you're an agent, now you're a supervisor and you're out managing people. Um, And we found that the top performers were very quickly getting those folks uh, who were promoted into training. And so the point being is that Supervisor has always been super important and um, now it's emerging, um, you know, you can just, from all the data that we've collected and what uh, uh, Ted and Brian have collected, that supervisors are even more important. And so, in a, in a, in a weird way, this hasn't really changed anything in terms of what we've observed. Uh, at the highest level, which is if you want to have a great operation over index on your supervisors, because that's really the number one reason why people leave your company is because that direct relationship isn't where it should be. But now it's even at a whole different level. So top performing companies are really paying attention to this and doubling down on their efforts uh, to help supervisors be prepared to operate in this environment and i know that scott and i we've been in lots of centers scott i don't know if you would add anything to that
3: yeah you um i just had a question for brian and ted and based on what mark said you know not only did we see the relationship between the representative and the supervisor critical but also Uh, between the next level of management that who the supervisor reports to right typically it's called a team manager Uh, different organizations have different names for that relationship but i think brian and ted brought up a good point Uh, we place all this burden on the supervisor and we know that it's important but sometimes we kind of forget that that supervisor is a human you know they have all the same uh, support needs uh, as the representative even though they're in a different role, but that relationship with their immediate supervisor, the support that they receive, the tools that they receive you know to uh, enable them to do their job is just as important. so I would just put that out to Brian and Ted. I know we've talked about that frontline supervisor, but what about you know that uh, I mean you mentioned the grind to the actual supervisor and, and how uh, organizations support try and limit that grind yeah, you're right, Scott I mean I And and we've seen it a a lot of different ways, but one of the, I think, the best that characterizes it is to be in interviews or focus groups with the upper management team who um, really, when we're talking about the grind for their supervisors, begin to drift off into, well, what about our grind? And we spend a lot of time talking about that and the different things that weighs on them, and it goes probably on through the whole organization. And so you're exactly right. A lot of things support those frontline supervisors, and their boss is a big key
1: part of it. Well, that's probably a a good place to stop and, and wrap up for today. So Mark and Scott and Ted and Brian, thanks so much for joining us today. And thanks to our listeners as well. And we'll see you next time.